Amen. Well, good morning, Living Stones. It is great to be up here and be with you guys today. Uh, I was telling first service, I, I just, I, I'm excited just to be gathering with our, our church family and so grateful to see so many of you. Again, seeing some faces we haven't seen in a while and it's good to, it is good to see you and also just wanted to say welcome to everybody who's joining us online as well. Um, we definitely miss having you here. We love you guys and uh, hopefully we can see you before too long, but just want you to know that you, you guys are important to us. We value you and uh, we're glad you are joining with us today. So a few things I want to share with you before we get into our message. Um, the first one is, as you've heard us talk about over the last number of weeks, I want to thank everybody who's been uh, joining us in our Monroe 180 partnership, and it's definitely not too late to get involved, not too late to um, find your spot in, in uh, our partnership that we have with Monroe School that's just down the street from us here. And I especially just want to highlight, as you heard me talk about last week, and I'm just going to be honest with you, we, we need some more people who are willing to step up and be willing to be prayer partners with our, with our staff and the um, and the teachers over over at Monroe that that this is an, a, such a unique and a special opportunity for us just to be a blessing and to be an encouragement to uh, the the staff down there. And I was talking with Diane uh, just a little bit about the staff and it like there's some rough things going on this year. It's definitely a a, a tough, a unique, a different year and. And I tell you, like Monroe School needs us like like never before. And so, um, you know, while we are, uh, you know, partnering with them for the duration for the whole 180 school days, we do have a push at the beginning of this. And and I tell you, like every single one of us, we can spare a few moments in our day just to pray for and to lift up to, and to encourage uh, the staff over at Monroe. And so I want to I want to encourage you if you haven't already done so, that you would go to our, our website. You can find the, the link and you can sign up, get more information about what that looks like to be a prayer partner, and, and we'll get all that, all that info to you. And of course, there's still other ways you can participate in, in our, uh, our partnership, whether it be buying school supplies or masks or books. There's a whole bunch of different ways that you can get involved, but, but I just want to encourage everybody to, to help make this a successful year. Make, even though it's it's off, you know, it, we got the year going, and, and it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be unique. It's going to look different. But we want to do our part just to be a blessing to them. So I want to encourage you to check out our website, and you can get all the details and information on there. And then also last Sunday. I shared with you that we started a, a closed Facebook group that we're calling Cultivate, and and the whole the, the reason that we we have it as as a closed group is is we really wanted to create a space just for our Living Stones Church family, just to be able to connect, to encourage one another, to be able to ask questions, to really go a little bit further and grow in your walk with God. And, and so in this group, there's, we're going to post some discussion questions about things we talked about on Sunday morning, maybe challenge you with some action steps and say, all right, how are you actually living this out during the week that, it, that it's not just information we're gathering on a Sunday morning, but actually finding ways to implement it and put it into practice and a place where we can just encourage, we can ask questions of one another, we can just be there to, to grow and connect with, with each other. And, and I'll tell you, Proverbs tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so we should be sharpening one another in, in our faith. And, and this is a great 
opportunity that if you want to grow, if you want to uh, be sharpened in your faith and in your walk with God, join join this group up. Again, we, we have the, the link to this on our, on our Facebook page. It's on our website. It's been in our Stone's Throw newsletter as well. But and I shared with you last Sunday, like, we want to see participation. And it was so, it was so encouraging for me this week to see our people participating and, and sharing and asking questions and, and commenting on one another's comments and posts. It was, it was just really neat to see. And that, that's what we want to see. We want to see real, genuine community take place. And so if you haven't um, already, I'd encourage you to go um, find the, our Cultivate group and, and request to join. We'll get you plugged in with that. And then finally, I also just wanted to uh, remind everybody that as we're as we're not passing the buckets as we normally would uh, on a Sunday morning, that there's still ways that you can honor honor the Lord in your giving, and and so you know we you can give online through our our LSC app, you can give online on our website. There we have boxes at the back of the sanctuary here that you can put your uh, tithe and giving envelopes in there, and and also just writing checks here to the church. But I want to just continue to thank you for. Uh, for allowing us to, to do ministry, and, and you guys are a huge part of that. So I just want to encourage you to continue to be faithful in, in your giving, honoring God with your finances. So with that, let's pray, and then we will get into our message this morning. Father, we thank you, God, that you are present here with us. Lord, that, that you are, are always here, that you are gathered here with us this morning. As we, as we worship you, as we lift your name up, as, as we uh, just honor you today, I pray that you would just prepare our hearts to hear from you this morning. Lord, that if there's uh, areas that we need to be challenged in, Lord, that we are open to that. If there's areas we need to be encouraged in, Lord, we, we welcome that. But Father, we just pray that you would just be honored in, in what's said, what's done here this morning. We're so grateful for, for your hand in our lives, Lord, and just pray that, that you would just bless the remainder of the service we have here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we made it through the prayer because first service, all the power went out as I, as I was praying in first service. So we made it through. So that's, that's good news. But the power came back on and we, we, had, a, we had a great time uh, first service. So, but again, I am glad that you're here. So last Sunday, we, we began a series that we we're calling Hello Neighbor. And, and the, the heart behind this series is we're having kind of Mr. Rogers kind of be our tour guide as we really talk about and discover what does it look like for us as individuals and as a church to live out what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 22, which was to love our neighbor greater than ourselves. And that was kind of the, the verse I, I focused on at the beginning of our service last Sunday where Jesus was, he was kind of confronted. He was asked, all right, what is the greatest commandment? What's the one thing that we ought to do? And, and Jesus' response in Matthew 22, verse 37, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's kind of where we're, we're focusing in this series. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And, and as, we, as we discussed last Sunday, the, the, the word that Jesus uses for neighbor doesn't just mean somebody who, who lives geographically nearby you. It's really anybody that we come in contact with. Anybody that, that we might engage with in any capacity, that person is our neighbor. And how do we love them as greater than greater than ourselves. And, and I concluded the message last Sunday by posing three questions to everybody. And what I asked, and, and this is one of the things we discussed in our Cultivate group, is I wanted you just to be thinking about and, and praying through and just meditating on these three questions because these are going to be key throughout this entire, 
this entire series that we're talking about. And the first one was, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? Because we've all been given so much grace and so much love and so much mercy that we have things that, that should motivate us. So what, what, is, what is love, the love that I have for God, the love that I have for other people, what does that require me to do in this situation? The, the second question was, where do I fit in God's story? Where do, where do I fit in God's story? That, that every single one of us has a different role. We have a different part to play. And so I want, us to, I want you to be conscious. I want you to be thinking about, as, as we go through this series, where's my part? What, what is it that God might be asking me to do in this season right now that we're in? And the final question was, who are my people? Who are my people? The, the people that I interact with on a daily basis. Or maybe the, the person I walk by at the grocery store. Like, who is it, God, that you want me to talk to, that you want me to love, that you want me to encourage and speak some life into? And, and so we're going to continue to come back to, to these three questions throughout this series. But really, my, what I've wanted to do with this Hello Neighbor series is really kind of convey the, the heart and the vision I have for where, we want, where I want us to focus our attention and our energy as a, as a church moving forward over the next number of months. And, and my prayer for you is that you're going you're gonna to capture the heart. You're going to capture the, the, the vision of what it is that, that God wants us to do, that God has called every single one of us here to make a difference. Nobody's here by mistake. You're not an accident. And you're not here by accident. God has things that he wants you to do, and he, want, he has people that he wants you to reach out to and to love and to encourage. And, and so how do we take that next step as individuals and as a church into loving others? And so to begin this morning, I, I want to just be honest with you and share something that I felt God was kind of confronting me on a little bit this week. And, and it was actually stemmed from something I shared last Sunday. That la- Last Sunday, one of the things I, I said that my prayer for our church is that we would not be a self-centered, self-focused, consumeristic church, but that we would always be looking out for what's best for, for somebody else. That we're not looking out for, out for what's best for me, that we're looking for what's best for, for others. And, and man, I, I tell you, like during, during my prayer time one day this week, I was really kind of confronted about how much of myself that I, I'm just, wrapped, excuse me, let me rephrase that. How much of my life I spend wrapped around myself, wrapped around what I think, what I want, what I desire, what I think ought, ought to happen. Just how, and, and, and if I'm honest, I think we all fight this. How self-absorbed we are so much of the time that we, that we, want, we want life, we want world, the world to be catered to me. And I want, I want everybody else to, to change and bend to accommodate me, because we live in such a, a self-focused, self-centered world. And, and in fact, you know, like most of us, we have, you know, we have a phone, and not only do we have a phone that's got camera or cameras on the back, but we also have a front-facing camera so that we can take selfies with it. We can, you know, put ourselves at the center of attention. And not, not only do we have front-facing cameras, but then we have the selfie stick, that you can put your camera on and you can get a better angle. And again, so you can make yourself the center and the focal point of, of whatever picture it is that, that you're taking. And, and I came across a, a stat this week that just floored me. 
And, it, and, and this was just, just Samsung. So if you have like an Android phone, said, they were saying that, that on Android phones in America in 2019, the average number of selfies that was taken every single day was 93 million. 93 million selfies a day, and that's just on Android phones. Like, can you imagine what it is if all the Apple users were included in that number? I mean, that, that's, that's, it's a crazy number to think 93 million selfies where I'm taking a picture where I am the central focal point of that picture. And, 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 and what's, what's, so, what's so interesting about selfies too is we don't usually take just one. Like, you'll take a whole bunch of them. And you're going to pick the one that you look the best in. You know, where, where you know, your smile looks good. I, I don't need to worry about this. But the, your hair is in the right spot, you know. And, and, then, and God forbid, like, if you have a selfie that with multiple people in it, because there's always the person that's looking the wrong way or in the, in the middle of a yawn or something like that. And so you take multiple ones so that you can pick the best one, the one that you look the best in. And, and, and there was a great article I read in Psychology Today and it, the title of the article was The Psychology of Selfies. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating read if, if you're so inclined. But then I also learned a new word this week that I was unaware of, and, and maybe some of you already know it. it. It was a word that's called foodstagramming. And the whole idea of foodstagramming is people who take pictures of their food and then post it on social media, post it on the internet. They, they send it to people. And, and, and again, like on Android phones, there's actually a setting on your camera that's for food. There, there's a food setting on your camera if you have an, an, an Android phone to take good pictures of your food. Now, and, and I'll be honest, like I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be a jerk or you know, like everybody has different reasons. I'm sure there's good justified reasons for wanting to take a picture of your food and, and send it to people. But like I, I, in my life, I've never like sat here and just been, man. I wonder what my friends are eating today. I like I, I, I wish they would just. I wish they would just show me what it is that they have before them for dinner tonight. I've I've never thought that. But maybe that maybe some of you do. Like different strokes for different folks, I guess. But but the sad real reality is that we do live in that me-centered, self-centered, self-focused culture. That, that's, that's where we are. And unless we make the intentional decision to put ourselves aside and put others' needs and other people in front of us, there's just a natural drift towards living a self-centered life. There's just a natural drift that way. And, and, and that not only like in the world, but also in the church. I, I came across th this video that just cracked me up a, a couple years ago. I shared it with the staff uh, a week or two ago. And, and this just encapsulates so much about the, the me-centered, consumeristic Christianity that we see in so much of, the, of America today. So go ahead and play this video. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys, right? Come here. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. 
You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. That, that video just cracked me up. And, and, and again, I, I, don't think, I don't think that that applies to anybody here. It's obviously a parody, but... But we, we live in such a consumeristic culture that, that it, it's not just the world that it is, it, it's invaded the church as well. That, all right, it's about me, it's about what I want and what I think and what I, what I need. And, and I, wanna, I don't want to share this with you, like the, the whole thought, everything I shared with you last Sunday and that I'm, I'm going to share this entire series with you, I'm fairly certain every single one of us will agree with. I don't think there's anybody here who says, you know what, I want to live a self-centered life. I want, I want to live a life that revolves completely around me, and I don't want to care for anybody else. I, I don't think that describes anybody here. I, I'm fairly certain that a 100% of our Living Stones Church family, whether you're here in person or whether you are joining us online, we have a desire to love other people. Like I, th- I think we do. I think we all genuinely agree with that. But what happens when it really gets real? Like when we actually have to make the decision to love somebody else? What happens when we have to do something that is inconvenient, that is a stretch, that does cost us something, that is a sacrifice? Like do we, are we just nodding our head in agreement in theory, but then when it comes to putting it in practice, uh, I'm not so sure. And I'll tell you, like, again, that was one of the things I felt like I was kind of confronted with this week. Because, you know, if, if there's one thing I, I know just about, like, people I know, or I'll make this about me. Like, we always like to put ourselves in the role of the hero in any Bible story that we read, right? Like, if you're reading the story of David and Goliath, none of us put ourselves in the mindset of being the Israelite army that was too afraid to go out and fight the giant. No, we, we, all, we all imagine ourselves as David. We, we all put ourselves as the hero in the story that, hey, you know what, I'm not going to be afraid, I'm going to go and I'm going to conquer and I'm going to defeat this giant. And last week when I was talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan, I'm fairly certain that all of us here, we would like to put ourselves in the role of the Good Samaritan. The one who saw the man who was, who was beaten and naked and, and left for dead on the side of the road and we're going to go do whatever we can to help him. But that, that act of, of mercy cost him something. It was inconvenient. It was, it was a stretch. It was something that, that was definitely out of his comfort zone. And I have to ask myself, and, and the question I, I would pose to you is, would I truly be like that good Samaritan? Would I truly go and love this person who was laying on the side of the road that everybody else was walking past? Would I just be one of the crowd? Would I be the priest and the Levite that continued to walk on by on the other side of the street? Or would I really be willing to sacrifice? Would I really be willing to do something hard and something difficult and something that was way out of my comfort zone because it was the right 
thing to do. Like, I'll be honest, like, I can't tell you how many times I've been that priest and that, that Levite. Where I've seen somebody in need, I've seen somebody that was hurting, and I walked on by. And I said, well, you know what? So, somebody else will help take care of them. That's somebody else's issue. Somebody else will, will, will rise up. How many times have I, have I been the priest or the Levite? Instead of being the Good Samaritan. I'll tell you, Paul, Paul had a, an awful lot to say about this. He, he actually addresses this numerous times in his letters about how do we live a selfless life, not a selfish life. And in Galatians chapter two, verse, or excuse me, chapter six, verse two, he wrote to the church, he says, "Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ." The law of Christ, what, what Jesus said about, about loving your neighbor greater than yourself. He said, if you carry one another's burdens, if, if you see somebody who has a need, you're going to go over and you're going to take that load off of their shoulders. You're going to love them. You're going to speak that word of encouragement that they need to hear. That you are fulfilling the law of Christ. You are loving your neighbor greater than yourself. Because there's, there's all kinds of people around us all the time that have a need. That they just need someone who's going to be there to help. Someone who's going to be there to support them. Who's going to speak just some words of life that they desperately need to hear. And Mr. Rogers actually had a quote talking about something very similar to this. I want to, if you can put that on the screen. He says, all of us, at some time or other, need help. Every one of us. Whether we're giving or receiving help, each of us has something valuable to bring to the world. That's one of the things that connects us as neighbors in our own way. Each one of us is a giver and a receiver. Each one of us is a giver and a receiver. And that's what's beautiful about the family of God. That's what's beautiful about our church family, about the body of Christ. Because we've all been in that place where things are going really well. And we're, and we're, and we're doing great and, and we can be that, that person that gives maybe not financially, but just gives encouragement, gives life, gives something to someone who's struggling. But we've also all been on the other side of that too, where we've been struggling, where, we, where we've been, where we felt down and we just needed someone to come along and help lift us up, to help carry some of those burdens that we had on our shoulders. And that's what's beautiful about the body of Christ, that we are, we are both those things at the same time. We are both the giver and the receiver. And Paul, Paul talks a little bit more about this in his, his first letter to the church in Corinth. And, and this is a little bit of a longer passage, but I want you to follow along with me because in this passage he talks about how every single one of us has a part to play. Every one of us has a role in making the body of Christ, making the family of God move forward. And, and he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, 
just as He wanted them to be. I want you to hear that. Just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. He keeps saying this over and over. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think of are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. And here's the the part I want everybody to catch. He's talking about the, the different parts of the body and how we're all one. He says, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And and I I love this passage. I love this passage so so much because what Paul is sharing, he's sharing some some very deep truths about what it looks like for the church to live and to function together. That every one of us are a different part. Every one of us have a different role to play. You're, not everybody's going to come up here and speak on a Sunday morning. Not everybody's going to come up here and play a guitar. Not everybody is going to serve as a, as a group leader. Not everybody's going to serve as an elder. Not everybody's going to serve in kids' ministry or, or be a, a, a youth leader. But we all come together. Each one of us has a different role. Each one of us has a different part to play, and we come together as one. We're all different, just as each one of the body parts are different. We look different, we act different, we smell different, we we do different things. We have different needs. We all have different needs. But God has put them all together. Paul said that twice in, in that passage. God put them together exactly where he wanted them. Exactly where they're going to function well in community with everybody else. Now, can, can we live without a foot? Sure. Like, can, can you survive with your hair falling out? <laughs> Obviously. You know, like, I mean, can, can you survive and get by without your nose functioning properly? Yes, you can. But, but what, does it like, what does it look like when the entire body does function as it should? And, and thankfully, we serve a God who's going to come and, and restore everything back to be the way that it was supposed to be at one point. But I love what Paul shared in verse 26. He said, if one part suffers... If one part of the body is hurting, the entire body suffers. The entire body is hurting. And if one part is honored, the rest of the body rejoices. Let me tell you this. If if one of us is rejoicing, if somebody in our church body has been blessed, we shouldn't be jealous. We, we We shouldn't be upset by that. We shouldn't be envious. In fact, we should be excited. We should be cheering them on and rejoicing in the blessing that has come their way. That's what the body of Christ should do. And if one of us is hurting, if one of us is suffering, if we are truly being the body of Christ, then the rest of us should be hurting for them. We should be hurting with them. We should be there alongside them. Because there's something about sharing a common struggle, sharing a common enemy that brings unity. There's something about that. I, I can think of times in, in Angela's and my marriage that, that when we, how united we were together when we had a common issue that we were fighting against together. And that's what Paul's talking about. If one part suffers, the entire body 
suffers with that. I, I want you to think of, of the book of, of Job for a moment. And I, I kind of struggle with the book of Job for various reasons, but, but if, you, if you're not familiar with what takes place in, in Job's life, Job was, he was a very wealthy, he was, he was a very blessed man, he was a righteous man, and through a number of things that happened to him, he lost everything. Everything. All of his sons and his daughters died. He lost all of his livestock. All, all of his, his servants had, had, had gone or left or died. And, and eventually even his health suffers. He ends up getting boils all over his entire body. Like he is in, he is suffering. He is in a very, very rough spot. And in Job chapter 2, some of his friends come to be with him. And they come to, to be with their friend who is going through the worst time in his entire life. And I want to share with you what Job chapter 2, verses 11 to 13 says. It says, When Job's friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, heard about the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and to comfort him. That's beautiful. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. Job was in such bad shape that they could barely even tell that this was their friend. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. And they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Like, think about that for a moment. Job was in such a bad spot that when his friends came to visit him, when they came to comfort him, they, they literally were speechless. They had nothing to say for a week. And, and, and I wish that the account of Job's friends stopped here because up until this point, they had it exactly right. They, they were right on. Their friend was suffering. Their friend was, was struggling. And they said, you know what? We're just going to go and we're going to be with him. We're not going to try to pretend we have words of comfort that are going to make it all better. We're not going to do that. We're just going to be here with him in this moment. And they start out so well. But if you read the next number of chapters, Job's friends actually, they kind of turn on him a bit. They start making accusations against him, saying, Job, all right, come on. Like, surely you have some secret sin in your life that's caused all of this calamity to befall you. And Job didn't. But I'll tell you, like, they started out with such great intentions. They, they started out, it, it, you know, it said in verse 12, that they came to be with their friend, to sympathize with him, and to comfort him. And I don't know how many of you have ever had this experience, but when you've been at one of your lowest spots, how, how comforting was it? How much of a blessing was it to have somebody reach out to you? That maybe you've lost a loved one or... or or, or maybe you've just had some devastating thing take place in your life and all you needed was just somebody to just be present, to just be there, to just say, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't have anything to say, but I'm here. I'm with you. I'm walking through this with you. You are not alone. You're not by yourselves. How many of us have, have been comforted by that when we've gotten a, a text out of the blue? Maybe they, somebody knew you were struggling with something and just said, hey, just wanted to check up on you. Just wanted to see, to see how you're doing. Like that is what, that is what our, 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 our minds, that's what our emotions need. We crave, we need to know that we're not alone. 
We need to know that we're not by ourselves, that when we're walking through something, to know that somebody's thinking of us. Somebody placed value on us. Somebody's loving us and praying for us and being there for us in those moments. We need that. The writer of Proverbs said this exact thing in Proverbs 12, 25. The writer says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Sometimes that's all you need. All right, so, you, so, if, if you know somebody is struggling, you might not have words to say they're going to make it better. But just a kind word of saying, hey, I'm here for you. Can I take you to coffee? Can I, can I take you to lunch? Can, we, can, I, can I just come over and just sit? We don't, we don't have to do anything. We don't, have, we don't have to say anything. I'll just come and sit and we can watch Netflix together. But I'm just, I'm there, I'm there with you in this moment. Because being there for someone, bearing one another's burdens, and checking in, letting someone know that we care, that's what being the family of God is all about. That's, that's why we have been joined together in this community so that we can be there for one another when those times happen. So that we can walk through difficult times with one another. John, John Maxwell, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. I love reading his, his blogs. I listen to his podcasts and stuff and a number of his books. He's one of, the, one of the foremost experts on leadership in the entire world. And he says that one of a leader's, but not just a leader, just all of our, one of our primary responsibilities he says, is to add value to others. If you, if you read John Maxwell or you listen to him at all, he says, he says this often. Your job is to add value to someone else. Add value to someone else's life. And so I, I try to ask myself, and I, I encourage you to ask this, all right, how can I make somebody feel valued today? What, what's something I can do today to make someone feel like they are valued, that they are important, that they are cared for? Like, what can I do today to live outside of myself? so that I can add value to someone else. As, as we kind of come to a close here this morning, I want to share one final scripture with you. And, and at the beginning of the year, when we started out our, our series at the beginning of the year, you heard me share this scripture. But I want to also share not just this one, but the verse that follows it. It's Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, he's, he says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You, you heard me talk about that in the month of January. That if we don't give up, we're going to reap a harvest. But the next verse, he says, Therefore, so because of that, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. You hear what Paul's saying here? He, he's saying because of the fact that we're going to reap a harvest if we don't give up, because of that fact, as we have opportunity, whenever we have an opportunity to do so, he says, let us do good to all people, but especially those who belong to the family of believers, especially those who are part of our church family here. Like that's what we're here for. That's what being a part of a community is all about so that you can share your successes and you can share your sorrows together. My, my heart for this series really is to kind of share some different ways for you to start living out what, what Jesus talked about in Matthew 22, about loving our neighbor. And it's going to look different for every single one of us. You know, Every one of us, we have a different role. Like Paul was saying in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, every one of us has a different role. We all have a different part to play. 
And what I want to kind of set before you in this series is some different ways that you can start doing it. Some different ways that you can begin loving your neighbor. And one of those ways is by loving the family of God, loving our people that are, that are here within, within our church. I, I, had a, I had a great conversation with Chris Ballard this week. And, and if you don't know Chris, she's a, she's a wonderful woman. And she oversees our care ministry here at the church. And, and historically, what our care ministry has done is if somebody's had some kind of major life situation happen, so it could be you know, they had a new baby, and, and the care ministry, they would help provide meals for the new mom and dad, so that's one less thing they need to think about or, or be concerned about. Or if there was a, a death in the family, send some sympathy cards. Or, or if there was a, somebody was in the hospital, and again, writing cards uh, or, or providing meals, just saying, hey, just want you to know that you're cared for, that somebody is here for you. And, and, and we had a great conversation about this. I, and I love care ministry because the care ministry is the hands and feet of Jesus to our, to our church family. But I'll, I'll tell you, God has really been stirring my heart about rethinking what does care ministry actually mean? What, what does it actually look like for, for us to, to have a care team? Because I want our care team to be able to go beyond just caring for somebody when, when, a, when a death or a hospitalization or a birth has occurred in someone's life. But what does it look like for us to care for people at all times, to care for the body of Christ, to, to be there to speak those words of life and those words of encouragement, not just when, it, when, a, when a significant issue has happened, but, but at all times. To let our church family know, hey, you know what? You're valued. You're important. You are cherished. You are loved. You're being prayed for at all times. And, and let me tell you this. We ask you every, every week, and, and, I, and I genuinely mean it, hey, if you have a need, I want you to submit your prayer request to us because we're going to pray for him. We're, we, we are going to lift you up in prayer. And that's great, and I love that. And we get a handful in each week. We, we get, you know, four, five, six, sometimes eight or nine that come in, and that's awesome, and we pray for them. But I want you to know something, that the number of, of prayer requests that come in is just a drop in the bucket. It's such a small amount of the actual needs that are present within our church body. It's such a small portion of it that, that we, have, we have people in our church who are struggling silently, who haven't reached out for one reason. And I'm not, I'm not shaming anybody. I'm not faulting anyone. Like for one reason or another, some people just don't want to share those, those requests, share the burdens that they have in their heart. And so they struggle with it by themselves. They walk through it and carry that burden on their shoulders alone. And what would it mean for us as the church to say, you know what, I might not know what your need is. I might not know what your specific issue is that you're struggling with right now, but I want you to know that I care. I want you to know that I'm here for you, that I value you, that you are important, that you are, that you are being prayed for. And so what, what I want to kind of ask everyone just to, just to kind of think about for a minute this morning. If, if anything I'm saying strikes a chord with you at all, that as I've been talking about, about just being that, that person who can speak some life and speak some encouragement to someone, if that's just clicking with you at all, I, I want you to reach out to me. You can comment to us on our, on our app. You can comment on the, in the comments. If you're joining us online, you can send us an email. 
But I would love for you to be a part of our care ministry. Or maybe even just to learn more about it. Because care ministry isn't just making meals or sending cards. What I want it to be is, hey, you know what, somebody, I'm just going to send a text out. Like how many of us, we can take 20 seconds to send out a text to somebody. We can take a few minutes to make a phone call or to write an email or send a Facebook message and just say, hey, you know what, you've been on my heart today. And I just want you to know you're important to me. That I love you. That God loves you. And we're here for you. Like, I want us to be Job's friends. We don't have to have people that have lost everything in order to be Job's friends and just say, hey, I just want to be here with you. I just want you to know I'm available. I'm here for you. And so if, if, if this is at all, if this is an, a, a thing where you might, that second question I asked, where do I fit in God's story? And maybe, maybe this could be it for you. May, are, are you willing to do something that might be a little bit different than what you've done before, that might be a little bit uncomfortable, that might be a little bit of a stretch for you? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to say, you know what? God can use me to love our church family. God can use me to help, to help our church family and just to be there to walk alongside. That I'm willing to adopt an LSCer and just be that person who's going to have that kind word that they might need to hear in that moment. I'll tell you, that's one of the reasons we, we started the Cultivate group was to give our people another place to connect, another place to interact, another place to, to be able to speak those words of life and words of encouragement to one another. And, and so if you've not joined that yet, I, I, again, I want to encourage you with that. But every one of us, because this, encouraging the, the body of Christ and encouraging our church family to be there for one another, it's not just my job as the pastor. Now, it's part of my job, and I love it. Like, I... I, I I have breakfast or lunch with multiple people throughout the week, and, and it's one of the things I love to do. I love interacting with people. But it's not just my job. And it's not just the staff's job, or it's not just the elder's job. Like, we all share a responsibility for the health of our church. And imagine how healthy our church could be that if people who are struggling silently had someone who came along, could put their arm around them and say, hey, you got this. I'm here for you. Like, imagine how healthy our church could be when we start carrying one another's burdens instead of everybody slumped over carrying the burden by themselves. About what a difference that would look like. I, I want to close with one final quote from, from Fred Rogers today. And if you can put it on the screen, he says, We get so wrapped up in numbers in our society. Isn't that the truth? The most important thing is that we are able to be one-on-one, -on -one, you and I, with each other at the moment. It's great to gather together as a group like this. But it's so much more important that I can sit across the table from you. I can, sit, I can be on the other line of the phone and just talk with you one-on-one, -on -one, just you and me for a moment. And if we can be present to, that, to the moment with the person that we happen to be with, that's what's important. I love that. He, he's boiling down saying, you know what? We all need one another. We're both givers and receivers. And we can do that together as a church family. So if you would, bow your heads with me. And Father, I, I thank you, God, 
for your blessings on this church body. I thank you, God, that you have put every single one of us here on purpose. No one is here by mistake. No one is here by accident, Lord. And God, every one of us has a vital part to play. And we might, we might look at, at ourselves, we might look at the role that we have and might seem like it's no big deal. But God, the body doesn't function. It doesn't function like it should if, everybody, if every part is not doing its part. So Lord, I, I pray for, for us, Lord, that you would help us to be willing to be uncomfortable. God, that instead of being the, the, the priest or the Levite who walks by on the other side of the road and says, you know what, that's somebody else's job. Somebody else will take care of him. God, that we would be willing to do the hard thing. We would be willing to do the uncomfortable thing. We would be willing to do the thing that might cost us something. And to be the love, to be the hands and feet of Jesus that our church body needs. Lord, I pray that you would stir us and move in us, Lord, so that we can, so that we can truly be the healthy body of Christ that you've called us to be, the family of God, that we would operate in community with one another, Lord, not operating, not operating in isolation but God, that we would operate together. Lord, I just pray for transparency and honesty and humility amongst us. Lord, that we can be real with one another. God, that we can bear one another's burdens because that's when we fulfill the law of Christ. Lord, we love you. Thank you, God. I pray that you bless my friends here today in Jesus' name. Amen.